Indiana Runner Podcast Season 3, Episode 24. If you like track, you're going to love this. And if you don't like track, I don't know why you're listening. If you like Taylor Marshall, you're going to like this podcast even more. Taylor and I go through the boys' track state finals. Cue the Taylor Marshall drop. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right, it's the best week of the year. We're wrapping up our coverage here with our third podcast in three days. Colin Altavote and Taylor Marshall, we're going to go through the boys' preview. I'm a little more involved in this, so I'll take more of a backseat than usual probably here. Uh, Taylor, you've done a lot of good research. We've been following it together all season. You've had your Mount Rushmore, your top four teams. There's been a lot of shifting. Right. But it's been a lot of the same teams up there. So why don't we let's let's go four to one and then I'll get into the mock meet based on the performance list. You give us your Mount Rushmore here in the last week uh, before in the last week of the season, the week of the state meet. OK, Colin, four to one here. And you said uh, that it's been a lot of the same teams. And for the most part, that is true. But there's one team that we haven't really talked about a lot. Um, and I think there's, you know, maybe because we don't really get to see them that much. Uh, and they're they're way up there in the region. Um, but on the strength of some pretty strong sprint points. Yep. Um, I would put as the number four team going into the state meet for the boys lake central so they just they have uh two guys uh in the one and the two and then they've got a strong four by one and they got a couple guys right outside of the mix uh to score which we'll kind of get to here in a little bit um but i think lake central uh might be a surprise to somebody who is listening who doesn't live in the region um but they just look really tough going in the state meet on the performance list um, you know, they're turning on the right time and, uh, I, I would put them at number four. You, were you coaching the, the Michigan city year? I think so. Is that 2017? It was somewhere, it was somewhere in that range. And I think it might've been 2016, but it was a team we hadn't thought of all year. Yes. And suddenly they were winning on the performance list and they went one, two in the high jump at the state meet. And I think they ended up losing. I think they lost to Carmel by two, but it was like suddenly the performance lists were out right after the regional and people were like, wait, what Michigan city, this kind of feels like that all year. We've talked about Plainfield, Brownsburg, Center Grove, Columbus, North Carmel. And suddenly it's like, wait, Lake central might win. Lake central's got a chance. And you're right. It's, it's sprints. It's, it's Cameron gathers Cameron with the K shout out. Never seen that before. I don't think. Um, a junior, he's seated first in the hundred and second in the two hundred, right? Right. And and Lake Central seated first and fifth in the hundred, and I believe second and ninth in the two hundred. And then you got those two guys. They got half of an awesome four by one. They're third in the four by one, sixth in the four by four, and then they've got a long jumper in range, right, of scoring. And the long jump, he could win it. He could get nothing. But on the mock meet, he's getting nothing. So. Just based on that, everything to gain, nothing to lose. And, you know, it wasn't until recently that the northern part of Indiana has seen some warmer temps 
to get out or run fast in the sprints. So uh, it's possible. I mean, again, this is total speculation right here, right? But it's possible that some of these times are a little underrated because they could they could be a little bit faster on a day in the mid to upper 70s down in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. Could be. And the, like you mentioned, the weather looks ideal for the meet time, upper 70s, maybe up close to 80 degrees. Should be good really for for any event, even running multiple events. Um, so that's that's certainly a team that we weren't watching until right now. Well, we'll definitely be paying attention to them on Saturday. You got that right. Uh, the number three team, um, and I, you know, I, this is a, a good point. If we want to use the word underrated for Lake Central and think that, hey, they're a lot better than what we could see or, or they could really surprise some people right here. This team, I, I don't want to say is a surprise, but if you just look solely based off the performance list, and we'll right. talk about this, we get to the mock meet, they are not, um, they're a lot better. They will score more points. I can promise you that. That's a lock. They will score more points than they see to score. And that is Columbus North, right? I have them as my number three team right now. And we'll talk about that. A couple of substitutions they can make, a couple of things could play out differently for uh, Columbus North, but um, they are my three team on, on the Mount Rushmore. So Columbus North is really about three dudes. Yes. They've got Tucker Smith in the throws. He's pulling down 10 in the mock meet. Correct. We're, we're, we're going to give him the 10. He, he can drive up to 86th Street and grab that medal if he wants right now. He's going to win the shot. Done. In the disc, he's getting nothing on the mock meet. He could get nothing. He could win. He could win the desk. He has the best throw, right? Of everybody, everyone at the meet, he has the best throw this season of everyone that will be at the meet. Second best, second best throw in the discus of everybody at the meet. Um, and and so he could very well be first, but he could very well be second. And then that would be 18 right there and be plenty sure. of points to contribute to the, the overall team chance. They're um, in the open 800. I think they're seated sixth and seventh. Yeah. but they were seated first and second before the Lafayette Jeff regional and the Lafayette Jeff regional in those individual events, the boys got the benefit of having delayed 48 hours after the four by which most, but not all of them had run three of the five guys had run the four by So they got that benefit. The Columbus North boys did not get that benefit. They ran the other benefit that we saw from Lafayette Jeff is that, um, they, it was, it's the best regional. I mean, just in terms of some of those events, that's the best regional. So having other fast guys, right. And track surface fast time, right. right. That, uh, you know, not, no offense to anybody with you know, Columbus North, but that it, it is a huge benefit to have other guys who are capable of running under 154 push you, uh, to, to a fast time. And they just didn't necessarily have that there. And that Greenfield regional did have six 156 or faster but they didn't have it right. They didn't have it up front necessarily that, you know, had, had those two guys been in that race, what would they have run? I don't know, but we're probably going to find out, you know, at the end of this week. Um, and they're, they're scoring uh, Reese Kilbarger stump was the best second best time in the 1600 coming in. Uh, he ran 409 at the regional and their four by eight is seated. Fifth. Correct. Now, Reese did not run the four-by-eight at the regional. So let's say you take out a 
two minute, just rough estimate. If they ran 752, they probably had like a 159 or a two flat on there, right? Yes. Um, just I know another team, 753 had a two flat on there. So 752 will assume I had a two flat on there. You take out a two flat and you put in a 151, that saves them nine seconds. So then they'd be five seconds ahead of second place Fishers. So they, they, they're going to score more than 20, just Correct. to guess. Unless, you know, bus breaks down, bad Fazoli's, whatever. They're scoring more than what, what we have in this mock meet. Sorry to step on the mock meet. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. Who's your, okay. who's your Abe Lincoln? Top two teams that uh, we've talked about all year. They're separated by a mere 11.6 miles. Colin, if you had to today, could you go out there and run 11.6 miles? From school A to school B, like what are the stakes here? Uh, you, you maybe uh, I don't know. You name it. I'll buy you dinner at Cancun if you make eleven point six miles. No. Okay. For a million uh, dollars, I might. That's a little steep, I think, for eleven point six. I could probably shuffle <laughs> my way. Question is, could you? If it was high stakes, could I shuffle my feet at twelve minute miles? Ooh, I'd, I'd have trouble. I'd have trouble. No, no, that 12 minute miles, they have to be, you know, I mean, that could take you that long. You could walk there. Well, you said run. Well, that's true. Um, okay, fine. The runner up right now in my Mount Rushmore playing field, right? We talk about playing field all year. They've got really strong sprint points. They're, they're really close. They got a strong high jumper, right? Um, we'll get into where they scored on the mock meet here in a bit. But uh, Plainfield is, is right there in contention uh, to win. So, and I, I'm looking at Plainfield's score in the mock meet, which we'll get to, but I really think they're kind of undervalued because they've got a, a guy, Connor Maple, who could score in the 100 and the 200, but he's getting nothing out of this because he's seated 15th in one and 16th in the other. And they've got another guy that could score in the 200, and Nair Nuwash Campbell, who seated 19th and is at times this year looked like a guy that could win the 200. Correct. So what do you make of all these slow sprint times from the Lafayette Jeff regional? You know, it, it is interesting. Um, the weather, uh, by the time the meet resumed, uh, which was uh, 48 hours later on a Saturday evening, uh, was fine. Perfect. Great. No issues. Uh, we also observed slower sprint times on the girls' side up at Lafayette Jeff. Um, and I don't really have an answer for you, to be honest. It's kind of surprising because a lot, you know, especially um, on the uh, boys' side for the sprint events, they are, uh, that's the, the best regional. And you can, it's the, probably the best regional on the girls' side as well, just because the population zone and all kinds of fun demographic things we could get into. But um, it, you'd think that having the um, other, you know, uh, or the majority of the other best kids there pushing you along the way would help. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I think we saw some faster times um, at the Carmel sectional or at the HSC sectional or at, um, you know, uh, Pike or, or, or Brownsburg. I mean, you know, so it just, uh, it's interesting. I, and I don't know. Uh, we'll see if that translates to next uh, or this coming Saturday. Um, I don't, I don't predict it will, but it, it very well could. Um, and then that might open the door for a couple teams that, you know, are just right on the outside who weren't in that regional. So Plainfield's got kind of an, an interesting mix of heavy hitters that to me seem pretty secure. 
So they're second in the 400. I think he'll finish second or third, right? He's not going to finish 10th. Right. They're first in the four by four that, you know, first pour or one second. out for right one up. of your homies here, but the four by four point seems pretty secure. Sure. Um, third in the high jump. This is one of the better high jumpers. Now that, that can be a fickle event. But then they also have ninth in the one tens and sixth in the three hundreds. So what's that? Five points. Uh, yes, that sounds good. Don't forget about their second place in the four by one. They're seated to score eight there. Right. So second now. Now that can be a little more up in the air. Right. But they're pretty, and they're pretty far ahead of third and, and fourth and fifth for sure. Yeah. Um. But then you know second, sixth, and ninth. So five points in the hurdles. That could be double digits, or it could be zero, right? It could be, and then 16th in the 200, I think it's 15th and 16th in the 200, 16th and 19th, rather, 16th and 19th in the 200. That's zero points, but they could get both of those guys into the final. They really could. Right, right. And if they do that, they've got them both in the final. Plainfield could definitely win this meet. Plainfield is right in it. Right. And that, and that's a good sort of segue. I mean, you know, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up the Mount Rushmore, but, it, and one thing I wrote down as I looked through and scored the mock meet and kind of paid attention to who is where, um, and you had mentioned this on the podcast earlier with maybe Josh, but it could have been Scott. I think it was Josh. Um, anyway, the number of teams who are in the team race who have, athletes who are just outside of scoring right like you said could score aren't seated to we don't see that in the numbers right now but you just named a couple of really great examples from Plainfield and they're not the only team that is has guys right on the outside looking in that if they run just a little bit better and they sneak into that final now we're talking an extra point or two or three if there's you know two individuals they go eight nine um, and, and that, again, with these margins, could be enough to get it done. So Brownsburg is looking at three firsts on the performance list. Yeah. Colquitt in both hurdles. It's hard to call the hurdles a lock because when you run the hurdles, things get in your way. There are barriers, and that makes it tough. That, that but, defines the hurdle event, yes. He won both of them last year, so yeah, and then he'll win both this year. Nah, did he win both last year? I know he won the three hundreds. Did he win the one tens? The one tens was insane. Remember, there was like somebody hit a hurdle and it like came through across somebody else's lane, and like we got yeah. done, and everybody's looking around like what happened. Uh, in the one tens last year, uh, Colquitt did win. He won okay, so Colquitt won both last year. He's he's highly likely to win both here. Yeah, I would. If we want to play this game that we've played with, like, you know, Addy Wiley or whatever, I mean, I'd put him over 90% chance to win both. Is that what we're I think that's a little high just because there are hurdles. But he's he's by far the best hurdle. He also and, did it last year. And he won last year. They're first in the four by one. It's hard to like cement in four by one points, but they were in the fourth best time ever. So we're talking about, oh, hey, all the sprint times were slow at Lafayette Jeff. What's going on with that? Except for if we ignore the fact that Brownsburg ran 41-15. Sure. That seems, seems 
pretty likely to score big. So there's 30 right there. Colquitt's the number one returner in the long jump, but he was he's ninth on the performance list, meaning a lot to gain and essentially nothing to lose. Right. I remember at HSR finals, he was the runner up in the long jump. So he can perform at a big level, right? Not only right. you say he's the, the number one or number two returner there from last year, but he's also done it indoors early this season. And again, like you said, points to gain uh, for Brownsburg. When, when it matters, he can jump ball, which is good for that event. And you only need one. That's it. You just need one great jump. That, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. It's not like the race where this is the one race and you do, you get, you get three cracks at it and then you get another three if you're in the top 10 early on, yeah. um, which she's seated to be. They've got third in the 800. And that is Hayden Deemer McKinney, who is one of the best. He could win the opening hundred. He could. That that just just by math here, that is. There's more to lose than there is to gain, right? Uh, on the 800, yes. Yeah, because uh, he he's he's third in the performance list in this, but he's not solidified the way that Colquitt is solidified as being he he's certainly one of the best guys he might be the best guy but he it's not as obvious in that event and the nature of that event is a little more random I think and he will likely run on their four by eight earlier right in the day. and they're eighth um, on the four by eight right and it's very different as you know Colin it's very different to run multiple distance events at the state meet as compared to multiple sprint events. Um, and remember that there are two guys that we, we might get into here later on who are up at the top of the field who will be running that event fresh. All the eggs are in that basket. I'm not saying that he can't win. It's just, it's going to be more difficult. Now he at the regional led for a lot of it. So, you know, it, it's a it's a interesting question as like if you're him and I don't have the answer for it and I don't, you probably don't either if you're him you led that whole thing you were half of a second away from winning and you ran 152.66 which is an incredible time do you do something different at the state meet and not lead you know how, how do you shift your strategy that kind of thing that's yeah. that's that's part of the fun that's part of the thing for them to figure out this week. What are I do know that question, or are you speculating? I'm speculating. Okay. What I do know about the state meet, even for distance runners, because it's much tougher to run multiple events when you're on a team, the way that he is, and you're a star athlete, the way that, that Demon McKinney is, those, those are the kids that tend to rise up pretty well at the state meet and can come back in their second and third event, even though they were tired. Right. And the, the, when they ran 7.54, and that's the eighth seed coming in, my guess would be that he ran that somewhat tentatively to save up for the open eight. Of course, then it got delayed. Right. But that, that would just be my guess, that he, he's got either more to offer for the four by eight, or he's got that to offer for the four by eight with a huge effort in the open eight. And then he'll be on their four by four. Their four by four is seated fifth. So that's kind of right in the middle. And I fifth to me for their four by four seems right. 
I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to finish first or second, but I don't think they're going to finish 15th either. Right. I'll, Unless I'll... the emotion of we've already got it wrapped up. They go to Brownsburg. It's one of the top three public high schools in the state. Like we can do, we can add, we can do the math. We've got it wrapped up and the emotion of that kind of overwhelms and they don't run well, but it, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to score in that if they need the points. And then they've got, like we said, ninth in the long jump. He's, he's not, he's not going to finish ninth. He's going to finish higher up. I agree. 10th uh, in the disc, everything to gain, nothing to lose based on this. This is meaningless. And 16th in the shot. So those could be a few extra points in the shot. Sure. But the discus looks bright. You know, if you, if you had to decide, the discus looks, looks really good. Yeah. The disc seems very open. In fact, let's start with the disc. Let's go through this. We'll do field events. So the number one seed is Alex Evans, a senior from Franklin Central. He threw 172 feet and six inches at the regional level. In terms of team implications, Columbus North has Tucker Smith. He's the 15th seed. Center Grove has Garrett Messer. He's the 13th seed. Carmel, shout out, has the 12th seed in Nolan Ring. These are more kind of fringe contenders, though, right, at this point? Yes, but a couple of these guys that you've named have thrown much better earlier in the year. So if they year. can repeat that performance, or last year, they could repeat that right. performance. Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're not necessarily on the fringe. And I'm not saying, hey, these guys are going to score. But in terms of team implications, they don't need to – or sorry, I say they weren't going to win. But in terms of team implications, they don't need to. They just need to score enough points to help propel their team up the rankings. Right. The number one toss all year was Antoine Cooper from Ben Davis. He's the fourth seed here, but he threw 181 feet and four inches at the Marion County. And it yeah. doesn't, in the field events too, you know more about field events and especially throwing than I do. Like, it's not like periodization of training where maybe you had a kid that ran 422 early in the season indoors and now he's been running 430. And it's like, well, he's just, he's falling off a cliff. Like you, you mess his training up. In the, in the disc, if you threw 181 feet on May 11th, you can probably throw 181 feet. Isn't there something about IU's venue, though, that, that produces more inconsistent or randomized results in the disc? Or is it just maybe the nature of state and that and throwing events? It may be the nature of the event. I don't know anything about the ring in particular uh, that might account for that. Um, it, it may just be that they're honestly the first event of the day. Uh, and that, you know, just getting getting up and going and, and the pressure on that. But, um, you know, like you said, you named a couple of guys who are, are on team contenders who were right outside. I want to highlight Tucker Smith because um, I, I'm going to tell you right now, Tucker Smith will be in the top two. I predict that will happen, right? He is ranked on the performance list number 15. There's one guy who you mentioned, right, from Ben Davis, right, Antoine Cooper, who has thrown further than um, uh, uh, Tucker Smith has this year. But the other two guys aren't there, right? So, so Smith is like the kind of the number two best performance on the season coming in outside of, you know, outside of this performance list. Um, it, he, he's going to be in the second flight, right? So what I could see happening is he steps up, 
he's got a throw in the upper 160s. That doesn't seem unrealistic for a guy who's thrown over 170 feet and uh, his Brady's ready to go. And then he starts to put pressure on other guys to hit early in the prelims. He could be the top seed going into the finals. And that's a huge advantage, having seen what the other guys have thrown. And he, he could potentially win it um, when he's not seeded to. Now, I, I think he'll be in the top two. That's 10 or eight points for Columbus North, um, who are on the mock meet down. But we don't think it's going to play out that way necessarily. It's not, there's not momentum in the sense of a team sport, right? Or like you got a streaky shooter and you feed him early and he sees a couple threes go in and it's like, all right, here we go. But Columbus North feels like they could get off to a good start. If they get some stuff here from Tucker Smith and it's, you know, four o'clock, 4.15, disc is over. Okay, we know what happened there. Then they turn around, they run 738 and the four by eight. All right, well, now we're sitting on 20. We know what uh, we know what Tucker's going to do coming back in the shot. So we've got 30 and can kind of just that that's their path to victory, right? That right. it just starts rolling. I mean, before the finals start, I see a path where Columbus North could have 28 to 30 points and that they're almost there. You, they almost can touch a trophy at that point. I mean, you know, there's not enough. They got to deliver a little bit more when the finals start. Right, but, 16,800. But, yeah, but but they're not that far away at, you know, assuming that, again, Tucker Smith and the, and the four guys on the four by eight deliver uh, at what we think they can run or, you know, can beat at. This is an easy segue then. Let's go straight to the shot. Tucker Smith, 72 feet and half of an inch. That's the all-time state record. Um, that's the best throw this year, obviously, because no one's ever thrown that far. He's the number one seed, uh, 67 feet and 11 inches in the regional. It's a really strong year in the shot. Typically, yeah, like yeah. upper 50s puts you in the contention to win, right? Four guys threw over 60 feet at the regional and. 18 eight, guys. Oh, my gosh. I was I like, couldn't even count quickly enough. Eight guys have thrown over 60 feet this year. Yeah. So exciting year in the shot. Yeah. But that in terms of team points, I mean, Smith's got 10. He's getting 10. Uh, Brownsburg's got a guy in 16th. Could he get up to ninth? It's another two feet. Um, but, you know, and, yeah. and he, he's not going to finish in the top two or three to really give them points. But who, who knows how close this could come down to. We've, you and I have both been a part of, teams that won by one or two points that's you know those that 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 four by eight that finishes seventh without your number one guy or the kid that finishes eighth in the pole vault when his twin brother finished second that can be the difference for sure no doubt let's go to maybe the most let's go to the event with the highest variance long jump Pierre Hill from Portage, 23-10 and a quarter in the regional round. He's the number one seed, and that is the best jump all year. He previously, before the regional, had the best jump. At the sectional, he jumped 23-7 and a quarter. So this is a guy who's jumping really, really well right now at the most important time. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to say he's, he's obviously the favorite going in across the board. Um 
I don't see Portage continuing for, for the team situation here, but I, I think that, um, you know, he could kind of flirt that 24 foot mark potentially uh, and, and win. Um, uh, yeah. And then you, you know, you look down the line here, we've already talked about Colquitt uh, ranked ninth on the performance list. Um, another team, uh, a couple of teams here, I guess that have uh, some kind of title possibilities if things work out um, who are, or have guys who are just outside of the scoring position, Josh Berry from Lake central, who's he's seat 11th based off the performance list, 22 feet, four and a half inches. Uh, technically that's tied for 10th. And then um, Hamilton Southeastern, Michael Griffith, 22 feet, two and a quarter at uh, 13. So again, another HSC has got a boy in six as well. And a boy in six, right? So, you, you know, you could score two there in the long jump um, and kind of propel and get, find some surprise points. Uh, that's certainly a possibility. You like fickle events? Let's go to the high jump. Brian Stevens from Warren Central. We certainly feel like he is the best jumper in the state. He's proven it all year. He cleared 6'11 at the regional. He cleared 7'1 and a half of an inch that was indoors. I guess there's no, I mean, there is some periodization of training and you can't get better over the course of the season, but there's no advantage indoor versus outdoor in the high jump. So he cleared seven, one and a half um, there. Bodie Gilkerson from Plainfield really gives them a good um, chance team-wise. He cleared six, seven at the regional. He's the third seed, Caden Stewart from Floyd Central. Floyd could be a really long shot. Um, contender to finish in the top two. They've got uh, Caden Stewart here. They've got some guys that made it in the sprints that if they can get in from the prelims into the finals, they've got a four by eight that's going to be in the fast heat. They've got a guy who could potentially finish high up in the 3,200, although the four by eight and the 3,200 can kind of be hostile, right? If you use the guy up on the four by eight, sometimes it's hard to come back and do and do your other event, although he's that good. Right. He could do it. He could do it. Um, Anything else kind of going through here? Team contenders, quasi-team contenders. Carmel, shout out, has a guy that cleared 6-5 at the sectional, 6-3 at the regional. So could he get into the mix? Uh, the two of us certainly hope so. Sure, yeah. And but it's this, not that far. An event like high jump, like you said, talk about a fickle event, it, it could play out that way, right? Um, well, so much of it could come down to, hey, we're all going over 6-5. If I get some miss, if I get a miss early on, I mess my steps up and get a miss and you don't, that could be the difference between fourth and 12th. Right. Right. Or when do I decide to go in and when do I decide to start? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul Vault, Cody Johnston from Hobart, 16 feet, seven inches at the regional. 17 feet is his best clearance this year. He's going to win, right? Yes. I don't see anything uh, different. I believe we talked about his brother had won last year. He's a junior. He could potentially defend his title next year as well, but I, I can't imagine a scenario. I think he's pretty safe uh, in the pole vault. Connor Burry's from Center Grove. Um, at the end of this, we'll remind me if we don't get to it. We'll get to the, um, we'll get to the mock meet. Uh, he's getting eight points in the mock meet here. Center Grove could get back into it at one point, looked like the best team. I mean, how many different schools looked like the best team at one point this year? I'd say Brownsburg, 
Plainfield, Center Grove, Columbus North, Carmel, maybe. Would you say at one point we looked like the best team? Maybe at one point, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Project, at least in terms of projecting forward to the state meet, not that this team won the HSR relays right. or the relays is redundant. They won the HSR meet. So they're the best team. Even at that point, I, yeah, that's, that seems legit. I would say so, but four, I, four and, and a half. we're seeing a few of the same teams, you know, continue their streak on the season. Yep. Those are the field events. We're going to have Indiana runners going to have, uh, Dennis McNulty and Drake Sterling call that for us. Josh Horowitz and I are going to call the girls. Um, okay, we're going to move on now to the hurdles. John Colquitt, he won last year, 14.15. Well, this is making me like kind of foolish for my, why are the sprint times so, really what it came down to was the 200 was much slower than we would have anticipated. Okay. In, well, we saw some times region. on the girls' side, though. I mean, that was kind of surprising. Was so. it the same in the girls' side? Yeah, I don't know exactly what that is, because it is a good, track surface it's supposed to be the fastest track in the state they do uh, host a sprint showcase so correct and some years it snows and some years it doesn't yeah uh colquitt 14 15 in the regional round man that's fast and 14 15 is the best time this year he also ran 14 19 in the sectional knox willis from zionsville zionsville's they, they, they hold a single digit percentage chance of finishing the top two as a team, I'd say. Um, Willis has been the second best guy all year to Colquitt, it seems like. Uh, That's likely your one, two right there. I mean, I, I would guess Colquitt would win over Willis, but um, you, I guess if you, you talk about a barrier in the way, right? I mean, they've got stuff in the way. It is possible that those two could flip. Um, and, and Zionsville is probably hoping for that scenario because that inches them ever closer toward the top of the rankings. But, um, yeah, that's certainly possible. We'll see. Other teams in here with an athlete in the, at the state meet in the 110s, Parker Doyle from Center Grove, Caden Kruwer from Floyd Central, Harrison Herbeck from Plainfield. Those are 789 in the 110s. Tyler Tarter from Fishers. Uh, made it. He either made it on a callback or he hit this. He didn't hit the standard, but he made it. He got called back from the. He's really been running well recently. And Hamilton Southeastern um, got an athlete through Will Garrig on the callback. So the 110s were very strong at the Lafayette Jeff Regional. And we should mention that we shouldn't be sleeping on Fishers here. We haven't talked a lot about them, but they are a team who's not far off. And they have a few athletes or relays who are just outside of scoring position on the performance list that could uh, sneak their way in there for a few more points, maybe enough for second. That's certainly possible. And one athlete that is scoring, but is, is a lot lower than you'd think. Kiefer Sengen is like seventh, eighth, ninth in the 400. He's not going to finish seventh, eighth or ninth. I do not imagine. Um, 300, same story. Colquitt. Uh, 38, 28. He's almost a second clear of the field here based on regional performance and 38, 28 is the best time this year. Colquitt also ran 38, 37. His closest contender might actually be the aforementioned Tyler Tartar, the sauce. I don't know if they call him that, but they should. They should. Uh, How about that? Love that. He's the only other athlete to run under 39 seconds this year. He's the third seed. Uh, he's going to have a full day. He'll be on Fisher's 
four by four, and then it'll run both the hurdles. Um, we should also mention, you know, talk in terms of uh, team position here, right? Uh, Zinesville's Knox Willis is the fifth seed on the performance list. Harrison Herbeck from Plainfield, right, is the sixth seed. And then if we're talking about a, a team that needs a little bit of help and is just on the outside, uh, Center Grove has Parker Doyle um, seated 15th. If you could sneak in there and score a couple points, um, that would help Center Grove move up as well. Floyd's got two boys in this. Keep your eyes on Floyd. Floyd's got another two in this. Max Granger is seated ninth. Does the ninth seed get the ninth lane or the first lane? Uh, I believe they're in lane one. Okay. We double check this as we talk. Go ahead. I, well, if it's lane one, then this isn't going to matter. I do not hate lane nine. I do not hate the outside lane. I do not like the inside on a sprint or in this case, a hurdles race. I would have, I, I, I would have a less, I'd rather have a less steep curve, put the blinders on and just get out and go world record in the 400 dude ran it in lane eight the outside lane at the Olympic final. Remember that? Uh, yes, I do. Remember Van Niederkirk. Yes. I, I do not. I did not mind that. I do not mind being in lane nine in the four by one. Let me tell you. And we'll get to the relays later on. Okay. Actually, I apologize. I believe the ninth seed is out in lane nine. Okay. Max Granger. Watch out for him. He's in lane nine in the 300s. Okay. 100. Uh, Cameron Gethers has the top seed. We talked about him earlier. Cameron with a K. 1071 at his regional meet. The best time this year in the 100 was Anthony Brody from Evansville Memorial. He ran that at the uh, sectional round, so just a week earlier. 1063 from uh, Xavier Thomas, who mm -hmm. also goes to school in Evansville. He goes to Wrights. Both boys ran that at, the, um, at their sectional round. They'll both be in this one as well. Uh, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think Gethers is an overwhelming favorite. I don't think there's anybody in here that's an overwhelming favorite, right? I don't think so. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really close. This is one of those events that, you know, I kind of sat through the performance list and looked and, okay, wh which one am I most excited about, right? And, and the 100 um, was one of them because we have uh, 21 boys, Colin, 21 boys hit the standard at the regional round. Um, and, and just kind of a cool note as well. And I know I've talked about him on the podcast earlier in the uh, season here, but Marcus Townsend from Avon, a freshman ranked eighth in an event that he is the only freshman, uh, who will be at the state need, at least in the hundred dash. Um, and it is one that is obviously not represented well by young boys. The, you have to be a little bit older, stronger, more mature to, to run fast in the hundred, but he, how incredible is that? So he's one we should watch for down the line. Uh, but Lake on Saturday on Saturday, yeah, down the line of this week. Yeah. Down the line today's Tuesday. So we get down to, to Saturday, uh, but Lake central, uh, on seated to score 15 points here out of the hundred. But as you said, nothing is really that, um, guaranteed or set center Grove, a team that we've talked about could be in the Lloyd central's got a guy in this Floyd. You, you are sounding more and more like Scott Litskin as we go along here. 
Uh, Brandon Wheat, the uh, ninth seed to score a point for Center Grove right there. And I believe he's a stud football player as well. Um, but then another couple of teams that are in the conversation have guys, again, just outside who could make the finals and could score. Uh, Connor Maple from Plainfield. Um, he is the 15th seed at a 1093. And then Jimmy Philpont, uh, the MVP. number 18 seed out. Uh, from Carmel at a 1097. So again, two teams that are looking for a little bit of help to move up the rankings. Uh, both of those boys have hit the standard. Uh, they could possibly make their way onto the podium. And I, I know that both those coaches would be really excited about that. But Plainfield, Lake Central, Center Grove, Carmel, Floyd, you just want your guy to get into the final because if you get into that, as close it is, as it is this year, not like it, not like it's been, especially on the girls' side recently, where there's, I mean, we did this at Carmel one year, a few years ago, we had a guy that was, had been running pretty well. We just, okay, man, if he can get into the final, he could score some points and we're a team contender and he got in the final and he won the whole thing. Yeah. That's what you, if you're playing field, if you're Connor Maple, if you're Brandon Wheat from Center Grove, I just want to get into that final and let it rip. And then does the whole conversation change from there, right? I mean, Good. talk about early on the, the second final of the day. Uh, Why well, third, I apologize. Well, you have the field events. So, uh, let me rephrase this. The second final on the track after the, the finals, quote unquote, start. But um, in, anyway, you, you totally rephrase the conversation. Yep. There's a strong chance that both those teams are like, heck yeah, man, we're back in this. 200. Lance Pratt from Concordia, 2170 in the regional round. Uh, that is the top seed coming in. Xavier Thomas from Wrights has the number one time this year when he ran 2155 at his conference meet. Brandon Wheat from Center Grove, number two time, all the way back at Charlie Riley. That was a perfect night for um, track and field. Cameron Gethers is in here. He's got the number two seed. Uh, he's got one of the five best times this year. This also seems open to me. And, uh, Lake, you know, Lake Central is hoping to get both of their guys into the final. If we can do that, we get both our guys in the final for the 100, get, do well in the 4 by one We got both our guys in the final for the 200, see what we can do in the 4 by 4 That's that's how Lake Central gets into it for first or second. Yeah, I would say so. Again, they're, they're really dependent on these two guys of, of scoring in those two sprint events. Uh, Brandon Wheat from Center Grove is the 10th seed. Again, another team that we've talked about being, you know, just, just need a little bit extra help. They're 22-1-6 is uh, Brandon's uh, seed time. Uh, Plainfield's Connor Maple down in 16th at 22-34. Could he make the finals and score a little something? And then this is just, this is for you, Colin, here. Floyd Central, Zach Hutzler. Uh, who is uh, at a, a 22.65. And if he can find his way to the final, uh, you know, Colin. Every damn Hudson. Yeah. Colin will be celebrating, uh, albeit well, a little more low-key. Well, yeah, I got a balance team. Don't worry about yeah, that. his own team. Uh, and you know what? I I, Paul, I overlooked uh, uh, Nair, uh, Newash uh, Campbell here, um, who is uh, the 19th seed and who has run pretty fast in the 200 earlier in the year. So, he, again, he could sneak his way in. So here's potentially the turning point for this meet. Yeah, I feel like Brownsburg's going to win. I feel like I've seen this before. Where Brownsburg's got a, 
a generational talent. Remember, what was the guy's name? He went and played football at Wisconsin from Avon. His name was Isaac Garindo. Yes. And, oh, uh, he helped propel Avon uh, over a team that I was coaching in a previous life, and he was a total stud. So that's kind of what this feels like that yeah. all year we've been like, wow, this team from Brownsburg or the year we talked to this team from Avon could be really, really good. They've got this one kid. He just makes everything go. He's so good at all of his events. And it's like, yeah, but that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure on, you know, it's a lot of pressure on one kid. And there were times during the season where that, that where Grendo or Colquitt didn't seem superhuman. But now that the tournament's gotten here and now that we're getting ready for the state meet, it feels like Colquitt could just really assert himself. I think that's the most likely outcome. If Brownsburg's not going to win, it's going to be playing field and they're going to, here's where it turns at, you know, 4.45 or 5 o'clock when the 200 prelims and we've got the nine finalists and there's two dudes from Plainfield in there that now are like, oh, okay, Plainfield could Plainfield could do it. Yeah, I, and we've talked about Brownsburg a lot earlier in the year, and you know, if if you have the best athlete, uh, and I and I believe on the, on the men's side, the best athlete is John Colquitt. Um, at yes. least in the, in the events that you definitely want to see at the track and field finals. He's worth 40 points. He's worth 40 points. Like that's, that's what you want. And Grindo was like that. And we go back and I, you know, I, I know we're covering the boys right now, but we talk about the best athlete, you know, on the girl side, this is a Ramaya Elliott, you know, you want someone who, you know, can show up and score 30 to 40 points just by virtue of being there. And they may not uh, always rise to the occasion throughout the entire season, but there are other reasons for that, right? They're 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, does the a county meet or a conference meet or a dual meet on the weeknight mean enough to, to really get up and go? You know, but I, I think when it comes to the state meet down in Bloomington, we, we will see those individuals show us why they are the best athletes um, in their respective uh, sport. It's going to be exciting. I just I wish my team had a better shot this year. We get back into it, though. We Lloyd get back Christmas. in. We get back into it. We get back into it. Be right. Lloyd Christmas. Lloyd Christmas. Uh, Four hundred. This guy from Southport is insane, dude. I you haven't seen him run, have you? I mean, we go to all the same meets, so I can't imagine you would have. Have you maybe seen YouTube videos or anything of this guy? I haven't yet. I have not, but I would love to see that because uh, he is we'll Saturday. totally cranking it. Yeah, I'll see it Saturday. Yeah, so 47.79. And I think I think I said on the podcast, but I know I've certainly said it to, to various people, you being one of them, I'm sure. It just, it this feels like a kid who, he's a junior, a, a kid that's just, an incredible athlete that's just kind of like coming into his own and figuring out what he can do. And a lot of times if you read, I don't think, you know, I don't know that this kid's going to be an Olympian or anything. Um, but when, when you read like the stories of people like that, there's always this like Genesis, you know, of it where it's like, Oh, wow. All of a sudden I had this meet and I PR'd by a lot and I realized how good I could be. And it took off from there. And it, 
you know, certainly um, Nair and, and Kiefer, um, you know, from Plainfield and from Fisher seems like the two best guys and they were duking it out early and they had that great anchor leg at the HSR meet where Fisher's caught up to us. And, but, but actually um, Plainfield probably ran a faster anchor leg and we're trying to figure out who the better of these two guys is. Um, and now suddenly it's like, nope, it is Nickens Lemba from Southport. I, I think he's very likely to win. I'm not going to call him a lock, but I, I think he doesn't have much else on his mind. He's going to be in the 200 prelims, but those other guys have a lot of other things going on that, that my man Nickens can just go for it. Uh, I, I would agree with that. I think that he's, I would put him as the, the favorite, but maybe not quite a lock. Like you said, um, you know, uh, to that point, we, we see a lot of these stories with, uh, Olympians or, or just uh, high level professional athletes, you know, I, I could think of a couple in the, in the, you know, in the NBA, for example, right. Where uh, we didn't start playing basketball until my senior right. year. Yeah. Of, yeah. Joel Embiid. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm, you know, making millions playing, uh, playing in the NBA. Um, it, I think basketball like player here, apparently tight, tight ends in the NFL. Yeah. So like, yeah, no, uh, some guy threw a football at me in a parking lot and, and the scout saw me and like, anyways, that was six months ago. And here I am catching touchdowns yeah. for the Panthers. It's insane. Right. But I, I, there, those individuals exist and they exist as, you know, juniors in uh, in high school. And I think we may be bearing witness to one right here at Southport, right. And Nick and Slimba and I 47, 79. Before the state. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a junior, I, I'm going to be, I'll, I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't win just based on, I haven't seen him run, like I said, but just kind of following this and watching the times just kind of click, 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 click. I'll be, I'll be surprised if he doesn't win, which is saying something with, with the generational talent of Nair, Nuwash, Campbell, or, or, or Kiefer Senju, who yeah. are both incredible. Right. I, but yeah. they, they've got, you know, they've got a heavier workload. That's true. Distance. Okay. We're just going in order. Or do you want to do you want to go in for distance? You want to go in the order that they'll be run at the meet? We can do whatever you want, man. You tell me. Let's let's do that. So let's do 1600 first. Uh, what do you think about the 1600? Uh, the 1600 right here. Um, as I search, frankly, kind of like I did with Scott, too. I'll just and Scott and I did a so if you're listening to this, this is the third of our podcast. Scott Litzkin and I did a um, distance centric podcast where we went through all the boys and the girls races. So look for that on the Indiana runner feed rate at five stars. Thanks. Listen to the ad at the beginning, obviously. Yeah. So uh, here's what I'm really excited about in the 1600, right? We get to see a rematch of the miracle mile rematch. The showcase between Cole Matisson and Reese Kilbarger stump that went all the way down the wire. It had everything that you wanted. One guy, everything I wanted. Speed. Yeah. I, I, and, and me as well. Uh, at one guy got out to a lead, another guy closed the gap, and then there was a late push, and we were standing literally at the line and couldn't believe what we saw, right? I mean, these these two guys are clearly the very best in the state uh, in their event, and they are both on teams that have, uh, you know, a, a chance to, to place on the podium, right, to win. I mean, yep. first could, or second. Yeah, first, it could be right there. Um, so I know that, you know, Matisson is seated at five seconds faster 
than uh, Reese, but again, oh, exactly five seconds faster. Yeah. Shout out 404 82 409 82, which is a school record. Is that right? 404 82. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Reese, uh, again, we kind of talked about the level of performance, but, you know, Cole, Cole Matisse has pulled away in the sectional and the regional from his competitors and, and left. Um, I think it's going to be really close. It will be interesting to see if Kilbarger's stump runs the four by eight. And if he does, what does that mean for the 1600? But also, even if he doesn't, right? I mean, if, if he doesn't, we, we could really see this, you know, photo finish uh, that we saw at Franklin Central back in April. So, um, you know, that is just, a, a, it could, re- oh man. It, and then here's the hard part. And, you know, it, we don't have to get too much into this because one of your athletes is involved, but at, at what point, because we know, Kilbarger some can run faster than 409. At, at what point do they push each other close to, I'm not saying they're going under, close to that four flat mark when both have another event at least to run uh, later on in the meet, right? I mean, like, so that, there's a lot to play here. Uh, you know, what happens after, you know, does, does a, you know, a camera Todd try to, to go and see what he can do, you know, a couple of guys who are kind of seated further down. I know Scott talked about this already, so I'm not going to like, you know, belabor the point, but, you know, Ezra Burrell, let's see it at 13. If he's capable of being way faster, you know, higher up than that. Um, we're talking about team title potential. Can Griffin Hennessy, who's the 16th seed at uh, center Grove, move his way up. Um, you know, Zionsville is a team that we're looking at could, could be in the mix. Uh, if the right kind of things play out and they got two guys who are in here and one who's seated to score, uh, man, that is like, it, it could be a really, really exciting four plus ish minutes. So it's an exciting event. I mean, it's the classic distance, right? The classic distance race. It's not a mile as I often correct you on a daily basis, honestly, um, when you call it the mile and I'm like, well, there's no mile at this meet, the 1600. Also, not to get ahead of myself or anything, but these are potentially two boys that could win multiple races, the 16 and the 8, the 16 and the 32. It's been six years since the same boy won the 16 and the 32. It's been three years, although only two state meets since um the same boy won the 16 and the 800 it's but it's it's pretty rare it's only happened i think you know twice in the last 20 years for the 16 and the eight and maybe three times or for the 16 and the 32 and three times for the 16 and the eight and if you're going to win both you got to win the first one right right it's so hard it's so hard to double and distance offense at the state meet you've got the pressure you've got the weather you've got the fact that uh, you don't get to go back and talk to your teammates and drink a Gatorade and whatever you, you are at the podium for a while, right. As they keep you there to uh, give you a medal and celebrate you. It's just, it's a very different atmosphere. I think you like to say what double the rest quadruple the pressure. Is that what you're saying is quadruple the emotion? The because emotion. another hard part is that when you win the state championship, you know, and, and Feel free, if you're Ramiah Elliott or Addy Wiley, feel free to skip ahead over this. When you win a state championship, it's almost always the first time you've done it. And so to come back and 
do it to come back from the emotional high of that and run another race 45 minutes to 75 minutes later is really, really hard on a, on a, on a human being, especially right. one that's, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. Right. Um, who, who's somebody we haven't talked about yet to watch out for in this, in this race, maybe not necessarily to win, but someone you think could place pretty high up. Okay. Pay attention to Braden Hinkle from Franklin central. Braden is about one they second call him the field house. Ooh, I like that too. That's good. You've had not, two as, good as, the, not as good as the sauce, but it's still good. It's still solid. It's hard to come back from the sauce. Uh, he is one second out of third, right? Based off the performance list uh, seeds, right? Um, he had a very strong showing on his home track at the Miracle Mile. Um, and, you know, uh, he, he is just right there on the cusp, right? So they're not a team that we've talked about, about title contenders. He's not worried about anything else. He's not running something earlier. He is going to be there uh, fresh and ready to go. Um, to have a great performance. So I'm really looking at Braden Hinkle to, to place possibly third, um, but we should also not sleep on Cameron Todd, uh, the sophomore from uh, Burbuff Jesuit, who is the five seed. Um, but th those are kind of my, my, my two right there. Okay, 800, make sense of this for me. Oh gosh, Dude, this, is, this is nuts. This is nuts. Um, I saw a tweet by David Woods that mentioned that, um, he compared, I don't know if you saw this one, he compared the Lafayette Jefferson Regional with the Illinois State Meets, State Meets, because they're, yeah. they're multi-class, uh, that wrapped up this previous weekend. There were uh, five boys who ran under 153 at the Lafayette Jefferson Regional, and I believe he said there were two boys who ran under 153 at the Illinois state meet. So I don't know what you want to make of that, but he, he had, that was the only one stat. There were a couple other um, interesting comparisons. So if you're on Twitter, uh, dig through, find David Woods uh, from the Indy star and, and take a look at that tweet. Uh, Cause it was sort of interesting. Um, all right. It's, it's I want to say it's wide open, right? But yes. we, we do have a couple boys who are going to double back or potentially be on their third event of the day. Six of the top, five of the top seven boys have four bites that are in it and need the, and want and need the points. Right. And, and need those individuals to participate on it. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not predicting this, but I could see a scenario in which Westfield goes one, two. They have, two of the top five seeds they dropped the four by eight for this reason they are all in on this four by eight open eight they uh sorry yeah my bad they're all uh, they're all in the open eight they they gave up like you said the four by eight they're not in they're not doing that this year uh they have the top seed based off the performance list coming in um who has sort of always kind of been in the realm of he, he could pop one off you never really know i I'm not predicting the same team will go one, two, but if we're sitting here watching the meet Saturday, okay. I'm not totally shocked at it because the other big competition will have raced uh, already at least once. 
And right, it's it's what three and a half hours earlier, but it's still a race and it's still a high emotion thing. Right. What do you make of this? Six of the top seven seeds are teammates. Two from Westfield, two from Southeastern, two from Columbus North. Does that matter? Um, I don't know how much it necessarily matters in that particular race. There, I think there's an advantage of having someone to train with, of having, um, you know, uh, a team that's invested in that event. I, I don't know if it will come to play when the meet starts or when this race starts, I know uh, you and Scott talked about the, the Lowell duel of a couple of years ago uh, who uh, went after Cole Hawker and almost got him, but didn't quite, I don't know how much real team strategy. It's one thing to have a plan to go into the meet, right? But once the race starts, what your plan, your plan doesn't matter anything in the under. It doesn't matter, right? You're Mike Tyson. You got hit in the face. Yeah. Plan goes out the window, right? So I, I, not a lot outside of the fact that it's probably nice in a situation where you have a shot to win to go to the line and you got a teammate, a friend, a buddy to be like, hey, man, you got this, right? You think, like, you think the longer the race, the more that it would matter that you have a teammate? Yes, but at, I don't know front. if it's long enough in high school to really matter. Like, if we want to talk 5K or 10K. Like, cro like cross country. Cross country. Cross country matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be helpful in cross country. It, um, track and field here in high school, I don't think we have a, an event long enough. I'm going to lob up a softball for you. Name, name somebody to watch for outside the top seven. Oh, man. Well, you know who I have to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said this. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, I got to go with my boy, Nasty Nate Colleen, the junior from North Central, man. Nate is the 12th seed at a 155.65. He is a super competitive racer. Um, he has a really strong close, and he won his regional uh, by a pretty strong margin right there. He is, he's very, very tough. Um, I would not sleep on Nate Colleen. He also made the open eight. Uh, as a sophomore last year, and um, you know things have played differently in COVID. Who would have knows? You know who knows what exactly would have happened. Uh, but he he is my guy to watch. Who is not currently seated uh, to score. Thirty two hundred. Thirty two seeds exactly nine oh well not exactly two seeds nine oh two. Yeah, varying hundreds. Uh, five boys ran the standard at the regional round, but quite a few boys ran faster than the standard, either at the Eastern relays or at the way more fun, way more interesting, way more competitive, and just the better meet at the Carmel Showcase. So what do you- If you're listening, you should consider attending next year. Yeah, yeah. What do you, uh, what do what do I you think, think about of the 3200? Uh, well, first, look, I, I think A. Beckman's performance at the regional uh, should be highlighted, right? A 902.68 uh, down in Jasper. I mean, he, he, he was just, I mean, that's fantastic, right? We have to give props to A. Beckman for how well he's running uh, the senior there for, from Jasper. Um, that, I, I'll say it, you know, you, you won't say it. I don't ask you to say it. Cole is is my pick to win. I think, in fact, he could if he could hold off Reese 
uh, again in the 1600. Then we'll see him the 1632 double, and the Cromwell Greyhounds are going to need that uh, to kind of get themselves back into that title contention uh, conversation. Uh, but some of these other teams that have guys who are in the mix, you know, Center Gross, Parker Mimbella, who is the seventh seed at a 922-29. Shout out to Will Conway, who is uh, from Floyd Central, the sophomore, uh, at a 923-43. That's the eighth seed. Got him on a callback, too. Yeah. So he was fourth in his regional, number one callback. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's going to be right up there. How about that? The eighth seed, the number four callback. Uh, but teams that are, again, right on the outside, but are in that title conversation who need just a little bit of help, right? Uh, Carmel's Charlie Schumann, shout who out. is the uh, 11th seed, shout out at a 925-23. Uh, Fisher's Tate Mew, did I say that right? I don't know. Okay, I'd say, I'd say we'll no. go with that so we're corrected. There's a junior from Fishers at a 926-80. And then William Russell, who's the 15th seed from Columbus North at a 927-90. If any of those guys can sneak inside the top nine and uh, score a few points, um, again, those are all teams. Kind of knock on the door, in- nudge it open. Right. We're not doing that. We're kicking the door in. Pound it down. Anybody you haven't mentioned maybe to keep an eye on outside of team contention, outside of the top two boys that we talked about? Um, I'll say Colin Stevens. Colin Stevens, the senior from Brebuff. Uh, he is the 17th seed at a 929-73. Um, he was part of their uh, uh, state championship finish in cross country. Uh, he's, he's I think capable he was our number two guy well. at the state meet. Yeah, he's capable of running well under 920. Uh, potentially flirting with that nine ten mark, uh, so he'd be one that we should kind of consider as well. I mean, I know his teammate uh, Krishna Thirunavu Caruso. Thirunavu Caruso. That was close. He's a senior from Buff as well, who is seated right outside the top ten, or sorry, right outside top nine uh, at tenth and uh, nine twenty five one two. So uh, you know those two guys who ran to you know really well at the HSR finals for the small schools could be right there i i think anything could happen in this race as in like could someone take it and they just go from the gun is there going to be a huge pack coming through halfway and 433 like be prepared for anything in this race as guys are coming back from their second event guys are really wanting to run well and they're a little tentative at the beginning i could see anything happen in this race yeah hey don't forget about spencer wolf from forest park right he's run really well earlier in this year he is the three seed and 9 11 42 he he could you know he, he could hang in there for a while this there's a lot of good established multiple time all-state athletes in this race and i think we we mentioned all of them at, at some point but yeah. not all those guys are going to finish on the podium, which is yeah. just, that's the way math works. Four by one, Brownsburg, pretty heavy favorite, Plainfield right in there as well. And the four by one is kind of a who's who of, of con- contenders and quasi contenders. Brownsburg, Plainfield, Lake Central are the top three seeds. Carmel, shout out, also going to be in the fast heat in lane nine. Floyd Central is the 11th seed, Taylor. 
Dude, you, you may have, uh, we might be talking right after the state meeting and a post, uh, post podcast here, and you might be patting yourself on the back really hard for a, a big Floyd Center performance. HSC is in the second heat. Fishers is in the second heat. Uh, so that, but Brown. <laughs> Let me say something about that second heat here, Colin. I, I don't dislike the second heat. Right. We talk about some of these other events where it's tough to score, maybe outside of the top heat. If you have a preferred lane with some other pretty fast teams, you mean like lane nine? Well, lane nine is a just fine lane that I hope that we'll score out of. But, uh, you know, if you have a preferred lane and, and, and some other teams to push you right there, that that could very well get it done. We've seen time after time there are one, two, three teams out of that second fastest heat who do wind up on the podium, even though they're not necessarily seated to score uh, because they had advantage of pushing each other on the inside of the track. And, and, and and maybe, you know, uh, you know, lane nine will hold them off. I certainly hope so. Boys four by four. Well, this is a boys podcast. So that I'll I'll cut that part out post-production. This was an incredible race at the Lafayette Jeff Regional, which did produce some fast sprint times, just not in the 100 and 200. Um, Plainfield 317.48, Fishers 317.52. Don't worry, it was closer than it sounds. Uh, those are the two teams that that seem to be vying for the title, and they have two of the three best 400 runners in the state, and they're going to be they're going to have a full day. They're going to be pretty tired by the end of it. They're going to, this, these two guys, two incredible athletes, they'll probably both run under 48 seconds on their split and they're going to need to gut it out over the last, the last 150 meters of that leg. Yeah, this will be, I mean, it's always fun to watch, right? Especially when the meet comes down to the four by four, More but as you mentioned, all of the, uh, or most of the, I should say then uh, team contenders are in the four by four, uh, and in that fast heat together, one team, again, we should look out for that is not in that fast heat, but is sort of on the outside looking in Zionsville, the 12 seed at a 323.89. That is not that far out of the ninth place seed. That's about uh, just over two tenths of a second away from us, uh, you know, seeding to score. Uh, so they could potentially find themselves a couple extra points. Uh, that might make a difference uh, there at the end of the meet. Uh, Floyd's not in this one, so you're off the hook on that. But Plainfield, Fishers, Center Grove, Brownsburg, Lake Central. Yeah. That's a lot. And, you know, who knows what the scores could be like. If this is kind of like like one of those Avon or Carmel type years where the, the, the best team just kind of runs away with it and it's over, I, I could see that happening with Brownsburg. Or it may come down to a point, a few points here or there where maybe Brownsburg's got a lead and they know, okay, well, if Plainfield wins, then we're up by this many points. So we need to finish third or fourth to guarantee it. Um, or, you know, some sort of dream scenario where it comes down to Plainfield, Fishers, and Brownsburg are all tied. And whoever wins, wins, and whoever finishes second, you know, I, obviously the, the mathematical odds of that happening are, are uh, pretty long, but it, it's fun to root for. It's an ex- and it's an exciting way to end the meet, even if the team implications are over, right? It's just an exciting event. And we know these two teams with two really, really good 400 legs, really good anchors are seem very likely to come down to those two. 
that in itself will be worth you know the price of admission. Although I right. we don't pay to get into these meets, but you know what I'm saying. Well, and to me, the four by four, and I don't know if, if you sort of feel this way or other coaches may feel this way, the four by four is a bit of a pride event, right? Like yes. regardless yes. Of, of where the, the team scores are, like there's 16 events, right? You want to win them all, you want to do do the best you can, right? There's no doubt about it. But I think there's something to be said about, hey, our group won the four by four. Like, I think there's a little bit of extra oomph behind that, uh, that even, even if you're not in team contention or whether you are or whatever, winning that event is a little bit of an extra yes, pep because step walking to the bus on Jordan Avenue. And here, here's why that is. Because if you win the four by one, you want it with sprinters. When you win the four by eight, for the most part, you win it with distance runners. These four dudes ran on our cross country team, or maybe we have one random guy that played soccer and we threw him on because he could run 158. But when you win the four by four, you're pulling a guy out of the pole vault. You're pulling a guy who's two sprinters and a uh, some guy that ran and finished in the state cross country meet. And those are your four guys. It's a real mark of your entire track team. Right, right. That's why relays should be something special. You know what? I'd actually be okay. Relays aren't worth double. I think they should be. They're not worth double. I would be okay if they said relays aren't worth double except for the four by four. The four by four is worth double. I just thought of this for the first time, but think think about how much more exciting that could make the end of a lot of these meets. Relays aren't worth double. Only the four by fours because the four by four is a great barometer of the overall strength of your track team. Well, uh, shoot Paul a text and see if he's on board with that. I saw him the other day. I don't know if he lives in Carmel, but I was driving home from practice and he was coming out of the olive mill or he was at least walking by the olive mill on the corner of Maine and Rangeline. I've seen him walking down the, uh, the Monon there. You know how I knew it was him? <laughs> and the guy, he was wearing an IHSA hat. Oh, yeah. Always repping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be like if you saw a football player wearing his own jersey. So there's a funny story. I know this is a side note. You can just skip ahead, right? It's a podcast. But also you can pause it and come back. Just pause it and come back. You already listened yeah. to the ad. What do we care? Yeah, what do we care? I got my uh, cent and a half. There's a there's a funny story where Peyton Manning was asked like, "Hey, how do you go out in public? Like, what's that like?" And and he had joked about, "Well, I always thought about wearing my jersey yeah. out in public because nobody would assume right. like the guy in the Peyton Manning jersey who kind of looks like him is actually Peyton Manning." They'd be like, "There's no way he would there's wear." No one would do that. That was yeah. So like this this is a brilliant. I maybe. You know, I mean, he's not fooling you uh, because you're calling Paul to vote, but you know, nothing uh, gets by me. Nothing gets by you. But maybe Paul Nydig is like, "Hey, I'm going to wear this IHSA hat. No one's going to bother me about the shot clock and basketball if I just walk down because they're not going to assume I am who I am." Yeah, and maybe he, you know, he went to the one store in all of Central Indiana, the Olive Mill, where you can get. Uh, luxury concierge high-priced olive oil and they're like the guy in there is not going to bother me about the shot clock <laughs> we need a shot clock though this is ridiculous sorry paul yeah i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll text him I'll, t- I'll tell him hey paul hey can you uh listen to the first 30 seconds of this podcast and then <laughs> scroll yeah. ahead to the last the podcast five minutes yeah. <laughs> okay uh four by eight 
Yeah. It's looking crazy. I'll, I'm going to say this. I have a team in the four by. I really hope that we run well. And I, I feel like we will. And I feel proud of these guys because the four guys that we're going to run at the state meet, their best times last year were 203, 206, 207, and 209. So we qualified for the state meet with those four guys. I feel, I feel great about the work that they've put in. But when we were at the Lafayette Regional, our first guy ran 158.1, five seconds faster than he ran all last year. And our second guy ran 159.7 seconds faster than he ran all last year. That's pretty good. We're, we're 357.2 through two legs, halfway. We were in seventh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, everybody just kept coming in and nobody blinked. And by the end of it, eight teams had run under eight minutes. Um, but that was just astonishing to me to see that, to be like, oh, shoot, man. Hey, we're pretty far back here. Our guy, our guy hands off. Nope. Okay. Nope. He ran 158 flat. He just handed off in seventh out of nine teams. And then the next guy runs a 159. You're like, well, he didn't catch up any. So, nope, that was that we were in six or seven of them when they handed off and eventually finished fifth. So, you mentioned this Lafayette Jefferson regional here in the four by eight. I, I know we're talking about the boys' state meet, but I want to give a special shout out to Mooresville, who placed eighth and ran a 758, 758, Colin. And unfortunately, they didn't qualify. Uh, for the state meet so that that is a, a very very fast time and they deserve some props for it and some you know just it, hey this is not how it worked out they were just outside the standard now the other thing i want to say is we we uh kind of looked over the performance list beforehand what are we thinking what's up there are a couple of events i was really excited about we talked about the shot put already right and how many boys hit the standard and how fun that will be pole vault as well as an event where we had uh 10 boys hit the standard and he thought, okay, well, this, this could be pretty fun, including the guy who's going to jump, pushing 17 feet right there in the pole vault. But I settled on my most exciting event in the boys' uh, state meet, the four by eight, because 12 teams hit the standard, and we get to see all 12 of those teams on the track at the same time, right? So pull-out's a little bit different where there are no prelims and finals, right? Everything's a final and you just move the bar up, up, up until it's some ungodly height where I'm going to, you know, wet myself just looking at it, right? Uh, and then- no, it's not because he's got, up high though. It's just, you know, no, it's just you your, don't. your MO. Oh, I, I told you that in confidence. I can't believe you said the podcast. <laughs> uh, the, and then the shot put, right there uh, where you only take nine to the finals. So yeah, 20, like one boys or whatever hit the standard in the shot, but only nine get to throw the final. But in, in, in the four by eight, all 12 will be on the track together uh, and, and pushing one. I mean, this is going to be incredibly exciting with a team who has a chance at breaking I'm going to say the state meet record. There's a there's a more outside chance at the state record, which is about four seconds faster. Is that right? 734 is what LC ran uh, later on in the year. Shout out LC uh, because that's where I went to school. Um, but it, the I wasn't on that really, by the way, in case you're asking. Uh, sadly, I, trust me, I knew that. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, they uh, they have a shot, Columbus North, of doing that. But I just think this is so fun, and and you know, and I don't know how much you want to take down, you know, this path here. 
But um, I, I think there was some conversation about is is the four by eight or the eight, the four by four, the four, whatever. Are, are we kind of seeing kind of a, a down period and, and maybe question some of the the not training from specific coaches, but just overall philosophies that some coaches buy into? Um, you know, was it that? Was it COVID? You know, what was it? Was it just kind of a down couple of years? You know, with 12 teams hitting the standard uh, before the state meet with another team or two or three who are really close, um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily that down anymore. I think it could be back. I think a big part of that, and I said this on one of the previous podcasts, was that the four by being down the last two years is going to be one of the major reasons that it's back this year. And so that teams that might have thought in past years, oh, I don't know if we'll put together a four by eight because our guys have a good chance to make it to the state meet in their individual event, saw that 758 and thought, well, if we can get four guys that can run under two minutes, and, and under two minutes is a good time, right? And if you find four guys on the same at the same school that can do that, that's that's really good. But if we can just find, we don't need a 153. We just need four guys that can run under two minutes. And the, if all four guys run under two minutes, it's highly mathematically improbable that we don't hit that standard and we can make it then to the state meet. Um, that I, looking at some of these teams that made it and hit the standard, I would think that they may not have thought about that and may have gone the individual route. And in fact, some of these coaches have told me this that like they may not have done that had it not been for that depressed standard. And guess what? Same thing's happening next year because the, the standard, that automatic qualifying time from the regional to the state meet is uh, a calculation, an average of the ninth place time over the last three state meets. Well, the one that's getting kicked out after this year was 7.52. The ones that will still be factored in are eight minutes and 8.03. So if it's 750, let's say it's 749, the standard next year is still going to be 757. So next year we may end up with even more teams. Are, were you predicting the ninth place team this year will be 749? No, but it could be. It could be, yeah. I mean, I could guess be. it, it here, could. Here's, here's I, why. I think it's aggressive. I, I would take the over, but go ahead. So let's say, do you think it's reasonable that teams – Teams could run one teams that were in a hot race, like the Lafayette Jeff meet. They get down to IU. They save the workout that they want to do four or five, three hundreds with increasing rest in their spikes on Wednesday. They've saved that and that those, those guys can run one second faster than they ran the time before. Does that seem reasonable? I, I think it seems reasonable, but. Okay. So it seems reasonable. So that's. That's one, two, three, four. That's five of the top seven seeds. That seems reasonable. Okay. Then you've got a team in Concordia that ran 751 and weren't pushed at all. Okay. Can they run? Can they run a second faster per guy if they're being pushed? That seems likely. Okay. So that's 747 for that team. Brownsburg. 754, if, if they get that kind of bump among their guys and their anchor 
runs a little bit harder. He's run 152. So if we, he ran 157, if we take that down to 152, they're at 749. This Penn team ran 757 all by themselves. Can they run? I mean, we're, we're getting to 749 potentially. But it, so it's possible. Asking. It's possible. You're asking a lot because you're asking that none of, that's 36 guys and none of them blink. Good. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say, right? You're asking four guys on nine different teams or 10 different right. teams. If you want to go down to Penn, who's the 10th team uh, on the performance list uh, to, to all run a little bit better, right? Could it happen right. for sure, right? Like, and if that's your team, like you're hoping, yeah, hey, my dudes are going to show up and run a second to two seconds faster because they've got somebody pushing them or they're, like you said, we did a special workout or it's IU State meet Bloomington, let's get it, right? Like, right. yes, it could happen. But you're asking a lot for all of right. those teams to also hit on the same day. Yeah, and I'll and I'll say this: I thought in the state cross country meet, I thought the team that I coached had a pretty good chance to finish pretty high up, second or maybe third. And my reasoning was: I feel really confident that our guys are going to run solid and we've got a lot of security up front. And I feel like our guys are going to run solid. And I'm just banking off the fact that some of these teams are going to mess up and nobody did. And we were fifth and, and very close to getting sixth. So I just, I, maybe I'm just recency bias and remembering that, but that is exactly what happened in the fall. Yeah. But that was six teams instead of, you know, 10. Right. Well, uh, my, the, I mean, the real question here is which teams run all out? Which team, all out meaning stack the relays? And it seems well, likely if Columbus North does their, we, you got to give them a good chance to win, right? I, if they stack the relay, then they are my pick to win the four by eight because their team needs the points uh, and they're, they have the fastest time on the year, not necessarily the regional, but the fastest time on the year, they have a sub to make from the regional. Uh, should they choose to do that? And they would be my pick to win that four by eight. You also talk about Fishers, a team that's in the team title conversation, right? They need a little bit of help. We'll get to that here in a moment, in a moment, uh, Zinesville, uh, who is also in the team conversation, needs a little bit of help. HSC, Carmel, Brownsburg, Center Grove, they're all there. It's likely they need the points and will try to stack as best they can uh, their relays. I think I'd watch out for HSC. HSC ran 753 at the regional. Their leadoff handed off in like 155. Their anchor ran something like 156. So just going through that, that is nine seconds under, meaning that their other two guys probably ran 201, right? Southeastern has a, has a boy who's run 157, 156, could run 155, and didn't run it at the regional, and he didn't make it out on the 1600. So you would likely think he's back on that relay. So take out a 201, put in a 155, take six seconds off of that. That's already 747. 
and then factor in that two of those, the boys that ran 150, let's call them each 155, ran 152 in the open, meaning they have capacity to run 152. So take another six seconds off of that. That's 12 seconds off of 753. Man. And if you're Columbus North or what, I mean, you're, this is great because you're, you're looking for someone to push you to help you get right to state me record or overall state record. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Point. It's great. And it's not because if you're, if you're Columbus North, and you think, okay, well, maybe we'll not run one of our guys and save him for an open event. Like, do you do that thinking, okay, well, then maybe maybe HSE beats us or maybe HSE and Fishers beats us and we get third. But how confident are you that you will get third? You still got three pretty good dudes. I guess it comes down to, you know, and not, this isn't Columbus North necessarily, but in any particular team, how much do you value either winning the four by eight slash competing to uh, take a state meet record or state record versus, you know, weighing your overall team chances at a title? What, what is most important to, to the program right. or the kids well, or whatever? That and, okay, this is our higher upside if we do this, but also there's security in if we run our four guys, we're going to get 10 points. And if, if something crazy happens and one team loads up and, and they go bananas and we get second and we get eight versus rolling the dice of, man, maybe we get six and then that helps them out a couple of points in this event later on. And we add that up that, yeah. And ultimately, you know what it comes down to is you present, we're, we're kind of getting into coaching corner here. You present the differing options to the kids. You talk to them and then, and then you say, what do you guys want? I don't, I, I would guess that's what's happening at their practices since Thursday. Could, could very well be, no doubt. I, yeah. I can tell you practices where it's happened all year this year. Yeah. Well, Paul Nidig bought olive oil, or maybe he was just walking by there. I don't know that he was going into the olive mill. It's a good, it's a good place. My mom goes there and buys bottles of olive oil every time she comes down. Like, I love olive oil. Not twice a month. Right there. That's awesome. What oh, they got all the different flavors. They got, you know, well, I don't know if flavors is the right word, but you know, there's like lemon and there's you know, raspberry and there's chocolate and then you can go in and taste test it, which like God help you if you're filling up one of those little plastic ketchup cups with olive oil and shooting it back. But they, do you have a flavored, like uh, flavored, a favorite flavor of olive oil? Oh God, no, I'm not that refined. Oh my gosh. How about some lemon olive oil? Maybe we made salt. tacos with the lemon the other day. It's pretty good. So, yeah, and I mean, shout out to my mom who, according to my son is going to win the 800 and the 3,200 at the boys meet. If you want a hot take, go back and listen to the very end of the Scott Litskin podcast. That was uh, distance specific, but if you can, you know, use sprinters, if you can stomach it for a little bit or just skip ahead, it is a podcast. Yeah, skip ahead to the last four minutes. You will hear the man, the myth, and the legend, Solomon Altavote, who will uh, go ahead and call his predictions. That includes his grandma, which is a very kind thing. He's a nice boy. You know, I hadn't thought about it until just now, but it is kind of crazy that he spent all week at practice, and our guy can has a, has a chance to win two of his events, and he didn't pick him. He didn't pick the guy who he's come and interacted with at practice all week to win. He picked Mimi. 
my mother. I'm just saying, like, Mimi must have it going. We don't know what she's doing right now. We know what your kid's doing. We don't know what Mimi is doing right now. She could be out there crushing workouts, and we're going to see on uh, Saturday. Okay, well, I, I guess she would run for her high school. Well, it's 2022. She can do what she wants. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here second because you heard it first on the podcast yesterday. Anything else, Taylor? Yeah. Mock meat scores. You ready? Yep. You know what this? All right. Here we go. This is based solely on the performance list, right? So, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you want to, you know, shoot the messenger, just, you know, be careful. Uh, only the performance list, number, number nine team, Columbus North with 20 points. The number eight team, Center Grove, 22 points. Tied for sixth, the Carmel Greyhounds, shout out, with uh, Hamilton Southeastern at 24 points. Fifth place on the performance list coming in, Zionsville with 25 points. I have Fishers fourth with 32 points. Lake Central, a team we talked about as being a bit of our sleeper. Uh, coming in, they're, they're the third team at 35 points. By the way, all of the teams I just covered, like I mentioned earlier, all have athletes or relays who are right outside of scoring position and could move up on this podium list here, right? I have, based off the performance list with 38 points, your runner-up, Plainfield. The Quakers, I believe, are their uh, mascot. So Yeah, they're one of those schools that has two. And the other is... I don't know. Okay, we're going with Quakers until Colin can think of it. And then uh, your state champions in 2022 with a score of 46 and a half points based off the performance list, the Brownsburg Bulldogs. They seem like the best team early in the year, like in January, February, and they seem like the best team now. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how the meet goes, but. Uh, it may come down to the fact that Brownsburg is the best team. Yeah, that's uh, that could happen. So, but hey, guess what? That's why they run the meet, Colin. Anything could happen. You never know. There are 16 events. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, anything can happen. My mother can win two races. Well, maybe not anything. Okay. I mean, right. Solomon's right. a good kid, but like that's a stretch right there, you know. No, but if your mom wins two races, um, uh, you know, I'll take her to a nice seafood dinner. Shout out Anchorman. Never call her again. Again. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. A saint. All right, man. Anything else? I can't I can't wait for these meets. I'm excited. Can't wait for that secret workout tomorrow. Four to five three hundreds with increasing rests and spikes. Shout out. And see how that plays uh, out. That would be great. And make sure that you watch uh, or attend both uh, the girls' state meet on Friday or the uh, boys' state meet on Saturday, 3 p.m. start, IU Bloomington. If you can't make it in person, the IHSATV.org. Is that right? Yes. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You go to the meet. You yes. buy it. Then you've got it forever. You've got the meet. You can go back and watch it on your IHSA TV app. And while you're at the meet, you can have it on your headphones and be listening to the commentary. There might be a two-second delay. It's the instant gratification generation. I get that. 
but you can follow along and hear what smart people are saying, plus Josh Horowitz, and you can watch it later on. Best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. So if you have an athlete who's competing, then uh, I would, you know, Colin and I would strongly recommend that. And uh, it's a great production. And uh, listen, it, you're going to want to go back through and watch the four by and see the Grogue Dog run it. You're going to want to have it. Shout out to the Grogue Dog. I, you know, I'm going to buy it. And I know at least one other family outside of the Grogan family that may be interested in buying it. So uh, I just, I can't wait. Be cheering for him the whole way. He's Shout been running so well. I'll buy. I'll buy it for the family. Hey, look at that! I, I know how to email the guy to tell him. There you go. All right, man. Hey, can't wait. Go hounds. Yeah, go hounds. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.